ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to take your Bible, turn with us to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 10, as we look at the subject this morning, navigating the last days. Navigating the last days. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make ye perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There was a notice appeared in the window of a clothing store in Nottingham, England. It read, We have been established for over 100 years and have been pleasing and displeasing customers ever since. We've made money, we have lost money suffered the effects of coal nationalization, coal rationing, government control, and bad payers. We've been cussed at and discussed, messed about, lied to, held up, robbed, and swindled. The only reason why we stay in business is to see what happens next. This particular store owner knew that Life was full of difficulties, but he was determined to survive even if only to hope for the best and to see what happens. The followers of Christ have a much better reason to endure tough times as they live for him. The Lord has assured us in his word that better times are ahead. The psalmist reminded us that in spite of the prosperity of the wicked, the righteous will be vindicated. Friends, there are times when 
We find our lives down in the gutter in the pit. The epistles of Peter were written specifically to Jewish believers who had been scattered abroad by means of persecution for their faith in Christ. Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to help them, to guide them in their walk, in their struggles of following Christ in a world that hated them. And because of this background, there's much here for all of us to consider, to glean from for our help as we live in these days, the days that are dangerous for those who name the name of Christ, days that are treacherous at best for those who dare to go against the flow of the world, who dare to go against the flow of Satan. There's much here. But like any doctor will tell you, the only way the medicine works is if you take the medicine. The book, the Bible, will only work for you if you administer it to your life. Peter begins in verse 5 and 6, and he teaches us that we must surrender our will to God if we're to navigate these last days if we're to navigate days of persecution, if we're to navigate the unknown, then we must surrender our will to God. We live in a day when men are all seeking their way, their own way, but the child of God who wants to please the Lord will learn to allow God to have the place that he deserves. He must have the preeminence in his life. He must have first place. Colossians 1 and verse 18 says that in all things he might have the preeminence. Preeminence means first place coming in at one, number one. He must have preeminence. I would also show you in verse 5 that to do this, we must assume the place of being a slave. Notice in verse 5 where the Bible says, clothed with humility. To be clothed with humility simply and literally means to wear the apron of a slave. True humility before the Lord merely means to assume the place of a slave. This is what our Lord Jesus did in the upper room in John 13, verses 4 through 16. When he served the disciples and when he washed their feet, he became their servant. In other words, I have no will but his will. I have no plan but his plan. I have no desire but his desire. We are called his bond slaves. Ephesians 6 and verse 6. The word servants means slave. In fact, it means bond slave. A person who consciously makes a decision to be the servant. And if we can learn the way of humility, then the Lord will lift us up in his own way, in his own timing. But as long as we seek to promote ourselves, we will never amount to much of anything 
for God. But if we turn loose of our lives and we willingly place ourselves under the Lord, then he will use us for his glory. Peter says, first thing we have to do in navigating the latter days is we must surrender our will to God. Secondly, verse 7, we must send our worry to God. We must send our worries to God. Oh, if there's ever anything that is ever easily said rather than done, it is giving your worry to God. We can pray, ask God to take our concerns, our worries from our hearts, and he will, but we have to leave it with him. So many of us pray and we cast our care to him and then we just kind of hang on to it and we continue to let it fester in our minds and it paralyzes us. Now Peter says in chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Now, Notice, I want you to see that this is conclusively for us. Casting. This verb refers to the act of throwing or casting something. It is in a form that refers to a one-time deal. The text is indicative of the attitude of casting with force to someone else who actually wants it. You yourself do not want anything to do with it. We're told here to once for all throw our burdens to Jesus. And when the worries of life press you down, and they will, we do not have to bear them alone. Thank God there's one who is stronger than we are and is willing to carry our load. But it's not only conclusive here, but it's completely. Notice how much or of our burden that we're supposed to give to the Lord. The Bible says, all your care. He tells us to give him everything. We're not so much as to keep even the smallest part of the burden for ourselves. We're told to give it all to Jesus Christ. But my friend, here is an array of confidence because the Bible says that casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. What a wonderful thought. The God of heaven cares for me. The God of heaven takes time out of his busy day to care for me. Now, how can we do this? We can do this with the absolute confidence that he cares for us. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. The Bible says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
And when we're burdened, it touches the heart of God, and he's moved on our behalf. I want you to notice that this verb is in the present tense, active voice, and the indicative mood. Now, you may wonder what all that means for you. Well, present tense means it's ongoing activity. Active voice means the Lord himself is involved. Indicative mood means that it is a fact. You put it all together, and we find that Jesus Christ himself is actively involved in caring for us. Why the interest? Why the interest? Well, he's made quite an investment in us. He died for us. He shed his blood for us. He offers redemption for us. He cares for us. He wants to be involved in our day-to-day -day lives and our day-to-day -day cares. And he will see to it that when the need arises in our lives, He is there. But not only do we have to surrender our will to God not only do we send our worry to God, but according to verses 8 and 9, we must strengthen our walk with God. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we're told that we must be sober and vigilant. This means that we need to get serious about some things, especially where the devil, our enemy, is concerned. Who do you think exists for the sole purpose and is actively interested in seeing you miserable? And according to the Scripture, he would just as soon see you dead. Who do you think is working against you every single day? His name is Satan. And if there's one thing as a pastor that I've noticed, and it just gets under my skin, it's that believers do not even think, realize, understand, or care that they actually have an enemy who would seek to destroy them who would seek to destroy their home, their church, who would seek to destroy their lives, their testimony. They don't even care. They don't realize it or want. But as we strengthen our walk with the Lord, we will see the path to victory over Satan. We must be serious about the devil's reality. And this verse refers to a being that most of the world does believe in. It's ironic that many people say that they don't believe in God, but many people believe in Satan. Because of our media outlets, you wouldn't believe how many emails and letters we get because we're just preaching the Bible expositionally. We're teaching, we're preaching, not necessarily controversial, but the Bible itself is controversial, and the cross and Jesus Christ is an offense to sin. 
And so we, we know that we're going to get it. But my point is, it's amazing to me how many people who claim they do not believe in God, but they always believe in Satan. You cannot believe in Satan without believing in God. The fact that you say that you do not believe in God doesn't matter because you're trying to evade the point that you have to give an account to God, that there's someone that you have an appointment with one day. The devil is real. Satan is real. Jesus believes in him. The Bible believes in him. God believes in him. Therefore, he must be real. Here, he's called our adversary. The word adversary means he's our opponent. He is our enemy. He's also called the devil. He's also called the slanderer or false accuser. This is the same one who attacked the character and the name of Job in Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, Job 2, verses 1 through 7. He's still the same old devil that he always was, and he hates you, and he wants to see you fail. He wants to see you fall. Wake up! The sooner you realize the truth about Satan's reality, the sooner we will see the need to strengthen our walks with God. Then we must be serious about the devil's ferocity. The devil is compared to a roaring lion in this verse. Why a lion? There's some similarities between the devil and lions. First thing I'd have you to see that lions are forceful. They are 14 to 20 times stronger than a man. Now, Satan is far stronger than we are. Satan is far stronger than you are. We cannot fight him on our own. Even Michael, the archangel, wouldn't fight the devil in Jude 9. Lions are forceful. Satan is forceful. And secondly, I'd have you to see that lions are ferocious. A mature lion can consume 30% of his own body weight at one setting. They're famous as the king of beasts or the king of the jungle. By the way, God's children would do well to learn to respect the devil. Don't give him credit for everything, but respect him. You don't need to fear him, but he does have power that is far superior to our own natural abilities. He is a ferocious foe who's never satisfied with any of his conquests. He feeds on the carcass of the fallen ones, and he rises to hunt more. And thirdly, I'd have you to see that lions are fearful. A mature lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. Lions do most of their roaring at night. The reason they roar in the first place is to create fear in the hearts of those who hear them. This is just what the devil does too. He roars to create fear in the hearts of God's children. Why? Because fear paralyzes faith. God is not the author of confusion, but my friend, God is not the author of fear. Because fear paralyzes faith. If the devil can get you to listen to his roar, he can keep you from hearing God's word. And if he can paralyze your faith, then he can attack your life. we got to get serious about the devil's susceptibility. What am I talking about? The good news about the devil 
is that he can be defeated by the child of God. The secret to overcoming him and changing his roar into a meow is to resist him. The word comes and means to stand up against the devil. Be steadfast in your faith. Peter tells us, whoever is steadfast in the faith, knowing that the Lord has already defeated the devil, and that victory for the child of God is found in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. You do not have to be a notch on the devil's gun. Don't let him have your honor. Don't let him have your family. Don't let him have your life. Don't let him have anything. He's after stand against him and see the victory. You can resist him, and you can see him defeated in your life. First John chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, very quickly, number four, see the work of God. See the work of God. The Bible says in verse 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish strength, and settle you. One of the greatest incentives to walking in continuous victory is to be able to see the Lord at work all around you. Three thoughts I want to give you. Number one, the grace we now enjoy. While we journey through these difficult days and while we fight the devil day by day, while we face these times when we're burdened with worries and cares, always remember that God's grace is sufficient for you. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice he did not say that he would lift every load. He did not say that he would flatten every hill. He did not say that he would smooth out every rough spot. He did say that he would change you in the midst of your difficulty so that you could be successful in your walk with him. There's grace for every trial, for every mile, for everything that we face and everything that we go through in life. We ought to thank God for the matchless, marvelous, priceless, boundless grace that he gives. But then also the grief that we must endure. Verse 10 makes it very plain that there's going to be difficulties along the road of life from time to time. The word suffer bears this out for us. Jesus himself said it would be so in John chapter 16 and verse 33. Even Job knew that there would be difficult times in our lives, Job 14 and verse 1. Now, God only had one son who did not sin, but he has no sons that do not suffer. We must remember that even when life is full of tears for us, we have the promises of God. We have the promise of his presence. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Matthew 28 and verse 20, Lo, I am with you always. We have the promise of his provision. Philippians 4, 19, My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We have the promise of his power. Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus said, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. My friend, we have the promise of his promotion. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, my friend. Therefore, let us run the patience with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Why? Because he already ran the race and he knows the way. Verse 10 also tells us that when the days of suffering are over, there are glory days ahead. Notice what the Lord tells his children here. He will make us perfect, establish us, strengthen us, settle us. When will this happen? It'll happen when we leave this world. We're going to a land where the things which trouble us now are not allowed to enter. Revelation 21, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, and but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. My friend, Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming and take us to a place where there's no burdens, there's no tears, there's no sorrows. A place where the devil cannot follow, and where the Lord is the light. We're going to a place where troubles and trials no longer afflict and affect the child of God. I look forward to that glorious day. Now in closing, is your life more difficult today than it was this time last year or last month? If so, there is a way out. Ask yourself the following questions. Am I surrendering my will to God? Am I sending my worries to God? Am I strengthening my walk with God? Am I seeing the work of God? If the answer to any one of these questions is no, then I'd suggest that you pause right now, come to the Lord, and get that area in your life straightened out. There is peace in Jesus. There is power in Jesus. And you can get your life out of the pit of the world and into God's way. This, my friend, only through the Word of God is how we're going to navigate the last days until Jesus comes. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.